every person sitting in this room understands the reality of the words that we just sung. That God has breathed life into our lungs. In other words, we are designed to have breath that keeps us alive. We're designed in this world not only to have life, but the way that God has designed us is to depend on the source of our life. That seems to be an obvious statement. We're actually going to start this morning with the obvious. I don't know what it is, but I love survival shows. I, I, I am not a camper. Uh, I don't understand camping. Uh, I'm, th- I'm pretty sure in culture we've gone, we've moved past that. We now have hotels. So I'm not sure why you go back out, but I know some people dig it, um, and, uh, but whatever. So, but for some reason, I love watching those shows where they're out in the middle of nowhere and they got to find, you know, how to survive and, and make it and, you know, hunt animals and, and uh, build fires and all that, things I would never want to do. But I like watching other people do it. And, uh, and so there's a rule of, of thumb with these. Now, there's exceptions. There are exceptions to the rules. But pretty much there's a rule of three out in the, in the wilderness. You can survive without air for about three minutes. Anything past three minutes, this air that God has breathed into us and then has given to us, you can last with about three minutes and that's it. You'll notice on these survival shows, if you watch them, that one of the first things they do is they go for water because I would probably go for some snacks. I'd be trying to, you know, get some snacks out in the woods or something, but you got to go water because you can only go roughly about three days without water. Three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food. And so the way that God has designed us to be is that we are umbilically dependent on life sources. God did not give us, He did not design us and give us the option to like, nah, I don't, I'm, I'm done with water. I really don't like the taste. Um, moving on, I'm just going to you know, just not drink. There's no option. We're designed for that because we have to have it. We have to have air. We have to have food. That's, that's, the God, that's God's design. In the first chapter of Genesis, we see this design played out. If you want to turn with me in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis. Here's why we're studying this as you turn there. Here's why we're studying this, this collection we've called Designed. And, if I, and I hope that if you've come in like, well, I'm not sure about this whole thing with God, why I'm here. See, I'm assuming that you've come to lean forward. I've, I'm assuming that in this lifetime, you've taken the time out this morning to get dressed up and cleaned up. Thank you uh, for doing that, to, to come out, because you want something in life. You want, you're not just sleeping in this morning and just taking a deep. You have made the effort to say, to make the decision, to say out loud, this life is something more than the nine to five to work and to retire and then to die and let's just call it a life. It's more than that. You're here because you want purpose. And my proposal is that the reason that we often go back to the first page of the Bible is that God lays down as an architect, an engineer, here's how you are designed. 
And if you understand how you are designed, you'll, if you want purpose in your life, you'll try to live into that design. You'll try to get in flow with that design. Now, if you're saying, I, I really don't care, I would, that's your first step. You're designed to do something on this planet. Not just to breathe in air and drink in water and, and eat food, but to do something of purpose. And my assumption as I begin this morning is that most people sitting in this room are leaning forward saying, I want to I matter. I want my life to, to mean something, to impact in one way or the other. I would even go so far as to say, you want to matter, you're designed to matter, not just as a natural human being, but as a spiritual being. Learning about life and trying to advance in life is not all about becoming the best parent or the best spouse or the best worker, the best employee, the best neighborhood association person, the best gardener, the best hobbyist or whatever you do, the cyclist or uh, the best survivalist or whatever that may be. You're designed to matter spiritually to someone else. And in order to do that, we must be in tune with how we're designed and live into that design. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11. We begin to see how God created this whole mechanism we call earth and creation and whatnot to depend on something. Nothing is independent in his whole network of creation. Nothing is independent. Genesis 1.11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Now, when God said that, he didn't say, okay, go ahead and let them. What the word let means is I'm empowering you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the power, the capacity land. He's not speaking to the plants. He's speaking to the dirt. God looks at the dirt, the land, and says, Land, I want you to produce vegetation. So the land, the dirt, becomes the source for the plant to be able to grow. Land produce vegetation. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds. And it was so. Verse 12, the land produced vegetation. Because God empowered the land. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. So watch. Here's what happens. The plants now are dependent on the source of life that God provided. If you remove that thing from the source, if you remove the vegetation, the plant, from the dirt... That plant cannot survive. It dies. God said, let the waters teem with living creatures. That's why when you take a fish and put the fish outside of the source that God provided, that fish will die. Listen, the fish does not have an option. There is not a fish in the sea that says, you know what? I'm starting to get wrinkly. You know how you do when you're like in the pool too long? I'm starting to get wrinkly. I'm kind of done with this ocean bit. I'm going to get up on land and I'm just going to I'm gonna go get a McDonald's and go to a, get a burger. No, they don't have the option. They must live within a connection to their life source. 
Everybody understands that. Now, not only do they survive if, or they die if you're taken out of that life source. So if you take a plant out of, uh, of the ground or you take a fish out of the water, they die. But they also thrive if they maintain in that life source. That's why you go to Home Depot and you get uh, dirt to put a plant in. This is, this is where I, I, I get all messed up. You go, I'm like, okay, I'm going to plant a tomato. So I'm going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to get, a, I'm gonna get a, uh, a bag of dirt. Not so fast. Not so simple. It's like, oh, there's percentages of peat and percentages of this, that, and the other. Dude, I'm just trying to buy a bag of dirt. Have you ever, anybody else? Huh? 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 Please. Someone, yes, thank you. It's so complicated. God made it very simple. But when you get the right soil, you put it in there, that, those plants and those fish and whatever, they, can sur- they not only survive, but they thrive. God has designed us to depend on that life source. And if we dig deep into that life source, we begin to thrive. Anybody see this week on, in the news that there was an 85-pound snapper caught? Did you guys catch that news? I brought a picture of it. Look at that. An 85-pound snapper. You know why that fish is so big? Because it stayed in its life source for a long, long time. It's period. It didn't jump out of the water when it was a guppy. I don't know what snappers are called when they're babies. Snapperettes? Okay. When it was a snapperette and it jumped out of the ocean, it didn't jump out of the ocean. It stayed in its life source. I look at that picture. I'm like, in my wildest dreams, I can't ever imagine catching something that large. I, it, it's just amazing. Here's another guy's name is uh, Ian Neal, I believe is his name. And uh, look, this, this guy has a secret green thumb. He, he really does have formulas. But the reason that that, that tomato is so big is because it, the plant stayed in its life source, which is the land. No kidding when I say the pop artist Snoop Dogg contacted this guy to, for his secrets of how to grow things. I'm a little suspicious of why Snoop called and, and asked uh, why, how to grow things. Like, are you growing tomatoes there, Snoop? I don't know. Uh, this guy also uh, I, uh, grew a, a cucumber. How about that? And here, I, the final one I couldn't pass up. This is a carrot. I'm like, I've not seen those at Publix. Those are like gigantic. It's a picture for us that if you stay and nurture and develop and fertilize in the source that God gave to you, you not only survive, but you have the opportunity to grow. You see, some people say, I can never be a spiritual giant. They look at a guy like me, I'm standing up front, I'm spouting off about God, and they go, oh, you're a spiritual giant. Oh, come on. I'm just like you. I'm a, I'm a regular Joe. I, you know, I, but we, we grow together, and I would say to you that God did not just design you to, to survive, but to, to, to actually grow and to be strong, to be that big fish, to be that big snapper, spiritually speaking. But you have to understand how you're designed And how you are umbilically dependent. Watch. God now makes man. He's at the end of the creation experience. And as we know, if you know the creation story, God did something unique on many different layers. You see, God didn't reach down and start forming rose bushes and cucumber plants and tomato plants. He spoke to the life source, the earth, and said, you produce it. 
See, God didn't reach down and start to just put his hands down into the ocean and create living creatures. But when it came to man, he put his fingerprints on us. And he intimately began to form us out of the dirt, out of the dust, out of the clay of the earth. And you would say, well, then the, the earth and the clay and the dust then must be our life source. No. We were not a living being when God formed us at that point. We're not, our life source is not the dirt. Like when you watch Lord of the Rings, you know, they're making all those monster things, you know, out of the mud and junk underneath. Anyway, we weren't alive yet. We weren't alive until God gave to us the life source. Watch Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Not alive yet. But then he breathed into the nostrils. He breathed into our lungs. The breath of life. And then, and only then, man became a living being. Our life source is one. It is the breath of God. It is the spirit of God. If God removes his spirit from creation, we die just like that. Let me, on the other side of that corn, let me, let me say the, the converse. Not only do we survive if we are connected to the spirit of God, but we can become the big fish. If we understand that if we want to matter on this light, on this earth, on this planet, spiritually, spiritually, then we must understand that our umbilical cord is the spirit, the breath of God. Watch Job, one of the most ancient books in the Bible. Even though it comes later in the Bible, that's out of order. The Bible is not in chronological order for, for, for every book. The book of Job is one of the most ancient books. He was closer to creation than we are. Watch Job in chapter 33 verse 4 says this. It was not the fingers of God that made me. It was the spirit of God who made me. That is my life source. That's where I'm going to thrive. That's my umbilical cord. The spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. In chapter 12 and verse 10, Job writes this, In God's hand, in His hand, is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. So I want to do an exercise with you. Please play along. Here's the deal. Can you imagine for a second? Because as we go through our lives, it's, it's, I think it's easy to overlook the fact that we have this umbilical attachment to God even for our physical life. Our diaphragm is doing the thing that God created to do. We're breathing in, we're breathing out, we're breathing in, we're breathing out. I don't know about you, but I have not counted the number of breaths I take in a given day. I, it's something, you know, it's just kind of natural, right? But what if we could pause the planet and, 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 and pause the whole activity on the planet and say, what if every time... Uh, we'll, we'll just do it for a minute. What if every time you took a breath, just naturally, and you were getting ready to breathe out, you just said the words, thank you, just to remind yourself of that this breath that I just took was a gift, that it's like a baby in an umbilical cord, that if you snap the cord, then it's all over. So 
play along with me here for a second. Just as you're naturally breathing in, no, no uh, spotlights, no hot dogs, just with your regular voice, when you breathe out, thank you. You just say the word thank you. And I just want to experience. This is for me. It's all selfish. I just, no, just, just want to get a feel for it. Just out loud, let's start. Here we go. Thank you. Are we all breathing at the same time? <laughs> I didn't mean to do it once. I'm not inviting you guys for over for Twister because you wouldn't play along. I'd be the only one down there on the mat. Come on. Now, we're going to repeat it every single time. We're just going to get a vibe. There should be thank yous going all over. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's kind of weird, but whatever. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. That wasn't my thank you. I'm thanking you. All right. Can you imagine if we said, okay, all Sarasota County, let's just get them in one big room. I don't know how many people are living here, maybe 300,000 people. Can you imagine the thank yous that would be going just like, we're going to have like a, a memory thing. We're going to remind ourselves that our breath is umbilical. And then what if you got the whole state of Florida? Let's do the whole country. And you're like, okay, we got three and a quarter million people, maybe whatever it is here in the U.S. And, and we have three, over 300 million people saying thank you. Wouldn't that be cool? And can you imagine 7 billion people? Can you imagine every person that's ever sucked in air on the planet? Tens, if not hundreds of billions of people. If we could all get them together and you'd hear all these thank yous, we'd get it, right? See, God, I think, is trying to look down to us and say, it's even more than that, but you're umbilically designed to depend on your life source, which is me. Now, Christ comes along. And he says, I'm going to set a new layer of creation. I'm going to set a new layer of spiritual creation. You're born naturally, but then you're born spiritually. You're a new creation. We find this in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, if is the operative word in that statement. You may be sitting here today and think, what does that mean in Christ? I've heard about Jesus Christ. I understood, I understand that he was a man. People claim that he was God. That's what the Bible says, that he was God in the flesh, that he was all man, he was all God. What does that mean to be in Christ? If you'll allow me, for those that know this story, you already know what that means. But for the sake of those that don't, let me tell you what it means to be in Christ. You see, when we're born, we're born obviously in a natural state. That's our physical body. But inwardly, our spirit has not come alive and, and God ignites that spirit. God sent His Son recognizing that we are separated from Him spiritually. Of course, we're separated in, from here to heaven, but we're separated spiritually. If you look into your soul, your spiritual mirror, everyone would understand without, if you have not moved toward Christ, that there's something missing. It's hard to put, your wor put words on it when you, when you haven't moved toward God, but there's something missing, and that missing thing is a connection with God. And God says, well, I'm a perfect God, and because I'm perfect, I must deal with the sin that is in everyone's life. And the way that God did that is He, he loved us so entirely, so deeply that He said, I'm going 
to send my own son as a sinless substitute and sacrifice him so that he mysteriously and miraculously took all the sins of every single person who's ever lived on this planet and he took our sins and he transferred them to his son Christ and he laid his son on the cross so that each and every person that ever walked the planet would have the opportunity to go to God and say it's not me it's not my effort I don't have to be good enough my human effort, I'm trying to be good enough, but I, don't, I never know if I'm good enough. And God said, stop trying to be good enough. It's not about being good enough. It's about receiving the, and accepting God's gift of forgiveness. Here it is. It's by grace. It's free. There's no charge to you. It was a great charge to God. And when we accept Christ, we say, God, I am a sinner. I can't help myself. I'm locked in by the centrifugal force to, to being who I am, and I need forgiveness, and I accept Christ. Now God said, you're in Christ. You've accepted me. You, you've accepted the gift. That's what that means, to be, to, to be in Christ. And then he says, I'm going to ignite your spirit, and spiritually, listen, he becomes the life source. Watch. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. John chapter 3. Christ begins to talk about being born a second time. Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh. In other words, mommies have babies. But the Spirit gives birth to our spirit. Spiritually speaking, we are umbilically dependent for spiritual things. We can't do anything spiritual without being de completely dependent on His Spirit. Jesus um, came to his disciples at the end of the book of John in John chapter 20 and watch what happens. See if this jogs a memory of the creation story. John chapter 20 and verse 22. Jesus breathed on them. Just like Adam breathed, uh, God breathed into Adam. Here is Christ saying, now, it's a new level. I'm not talking about physical creation. I'm talking about spiritual creation. And Jesus breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, that's why we can't pray on our own. That's why we don't know what to say. It's why we can't understand the Bible. We can't do anything of any spiritual significance without saying, God, I need you. I can't think for myself. I can't pray for myself. I can't speak for you for on myself. I can't do anything. Do you want to matter in this world spiritually? I'm assuming you do. I'm assuming you do. If you do, what we're being told is you are spiritually, umbilically dependent on the Holy Spirit of God. There's a problem. Isn't there always a problem? There's a caveat. Don't you find there's always a caveat? Like, no, got it. Signed up for that and I didn't read the fine line. But here's the fine line. Watch this. Now, I, I like to tell you when I'm going to dive down in the deep end. So I'm going to go a little bit deep here. And then, so I always say this would be a good time if uh, you get a cup of coffee if you need one. But I, I'm going to jump in deep. When you see Adam being created, he's made of the dirt. And yet God breathes in from heaven. This is a picture of who we are. And it's a picture of the problem. I'm part dirt, 
I'm part heaven. I wrestle with those things, that centrifugal force that makes, that draws me in, right? Doesn't it draw you in to selfish things, to what I want, to my options, to my choices. That's the dirt part of me. It's the clay part of me. It's the dust part of me. It's that centrifugal gravitational force. And yet God has breathed into us, if you're in Christ, breathed into us. And now there's this tension, this pull, that even if you're in Christ, the Bible says, that you've got this civil war going on, that I'm trying to get my life source from God, and yet I'm like, ah, dang it, I blew it again. And then, there's, then we think, what's wrong with me? It's because there is this tension that I'm Adam. I am part dirt and I'm part breath. I'm part soil, I'm part spirit. God gives us the option to either live in this or live in that. To live in the spirit and be dependent and go frequently, like Christ went frequently, go frequently and say, I'm, I'm like a baby, man, just keep giving it to me. Or to say, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure I really need that. So I'll be gravitationally pulled into the soil. Watch what the Bible says. Here's, here's where we go deep. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there is a remarkable picture that is painted for us. It ties all the way back to the first page of the Bible. Adam is called the first Adam. If you know the story, he blew it. And he promoted death to everybody. He promoted this struggle the earth struggle to everyone. Christ is referred to as the second Adam, the last Adam, the one that God brought along to say, it's a new creation. It's a new day. It's a new layer. Watch what happens. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, who was Christ, a life-giving spirit. Much different. Now, he was fully in the flesh, but the Scripture is saying that he had the ability, like God did, to speak life into, to, to us. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man, Christ, was from heaven. Now watch. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth and as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. In other words, God is saying, look, I have designed you to give you the option to depend on this earth, the soil, which is not life-giving source. All the things that you're going to find in this lifetime. Some things good things. Some things really good things. Or for your spiritual life to depend on the things of heaven. And that passage right there creates for us a dilemma. Why? Because if you want to spiritually matter, you're going to have to fight. You'll have to fight. You'll have to fight against this centrifugal force toward the earth and fight toward that thing that can only make you spiritually matter. You know, when God put Adam in the garden... He put him there for a reason. He doesn't say, hey, I've created this really cool space, and uh, just hang out, and uh, that's all you have to do. Watch. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. 
God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to sleep and to hang out in a hammock. No. God took the man, put him in the garden, showed him how to cut on the jacuzzi and let it rip. Nope. God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. In other words, you've got a part in this. And if you're going to have keep these things alive, you've got to be active in keeping them alive. So there was a, there was a, a definite position and responsibility. Now watch. When you came to Christ, if you've come to Christ, God said, I breathed in you for a reason. Because I need you to work it and to care for it. See, when I'm gardening, that's the part I really am bad at. The working and working it and, gar- and caring for it. I'm like, really? You got to water it? Uh, you you got to keep going? God's like, yeah, you got you to do that. So when Christ comes and says, look, I'm breathing on you. I'm creating new life in you. It's for a reason. If you came in this room today and said, I really want to spiritually matter, now's the time to tune in. Watch this. At the end of his life, we saw that Jesus came in uh, in John chapter 21. This is after the resurrection. The disciples are afraid because they've killed the leader, and now they're locked in a room. We're told in this passage that Jesus, now come back from the grave, he walks through the walls of this locked room. And the first thing he says in John chapter 20 and verse 21 is, peace. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't go together for me. I'm sitting in a room, I'm sitting in my living room, and uh, John comes walking right through the wall. Ah! (laughs) Maybe that's why Jesus said, peace, right? Because it must have freaked him out. So Jesus walks through the wall. He says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am now sending you. And with that, okay, don't just skip over those little simple words. With what? With the, the purpose. Here's why you're on earth. If you, want to, if you want to put a magnifying glass right on the Bible, like, there it is. I'm sending you to give life to other people. And for that reason, I'm, he breathed on them and said, I'll be your life source to accomplish what I've put you out there to accomplish. Without that life source, you might be a good dad. You might be a good mom. You may be a good employee. But you won't be a good sent one. You won't be a good speaker for God. When you look at the creation story, the first act of God was speaking life. You know, my my son uh, loves Avengers, you know, the superheroes. I am the worst person to watch those movies with because I'm like, what's the thought? You know, it starts out with this big glowing blue box or something. I'm like, what's the box? Where would the box come from? What can the box do? He's like, Dad, just watch the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, I just wonder. I mean, because everybody's around this big blue box with lightning bolts coming out of it or something. And then somebody comes and, you know, here comes the bad guy. I'm like, well, who's the bad guy? Well, where'd he come from? Does he live on earth or is he on a different, a different planet? Okay, just shut up and watch the movie. Okay, I was just watching, wondering. And then now he's still in the blue box. Why? Why is he still in the box? Is the box important? You know, it's like you're trying to get all the details. And, and these movies start with so much action and everything. 
God didn't start that way. He just said, let there be light. And there was light. What's your point? Here's the point. If we are umbilically tied to God, that sounds like a great concept. Let me say it more simple. If you spend time with God, you'll speak words that give life. And that matters. If you don't spend time with God, you won't speak about God. Just that simple. Not that we'll have any power. See, Jesus looked at these boys. He said, look, you're designed to speak life-giving words. And for that reason, you'll need an umbilical cord. Some of you are not convinced yet. Watch this. You're thinking, who, me? I can never be the big fish. I can never grow into that. I'm just me. I'm a nine-to-fiver. God said, oh, you're overlooking. You're underestimating that I've created you to be like that snapper in the ocean, to be umbilically tied to your life source so that you will be a gigantic snapper for Christ. Should be a t-shirt. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we return. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Some people stop there and like, cool, I'm in, man. Woo, I'm new. God said, not so fast. Not so fast, Adam. There's a garden to work. I didn't put you here for the hammock and the jacuzzi. Now that you're in, stay tied to me so that you can spiritually matter. Verse 18, all this is from God. All this gift of Christ is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us. Maybe the craziest words in the entire Bible. See, I would add if I had the, you know, you got the student version of the Bible and the the study version, I'd have the moron version of the Bible. I'd put moron in there a lot. It's a word I happen to like. All this from God who reconciled us, morons, to himself through Christ and gave us morons the store in the ministry of reconciliation. I mean, of all people, really? I can become a snapper? God said, that's why I made you. You just got to stay in the water and stay in it long enough. Then you can grow big, be effective. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And then he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. Here it is, the God that spoke creation into order, into existence, that same God through God as if God were making His spoken appeal through us little snappers. That ought to be like, wow. For anybody like, wow. Dude, I just came in from from McDonald's. My life seemed so normal and so kind of regular. God said, no, it's super regular. I've called you. I'm sending you. I'm breathing on you. Yet, you've got to stay in the source in order to do it. That's the caveat. Well, I'd like to be a super snapper out of water. Doesn't work that way. I'd like to be a super sent one of God. And speak life-giving words. I'm not talking about positive words. 
I'm not talking about attaboys. I'm not talking about being a life coach here. I'm talking about God words. Words that you've gotten from God. I want to, I want to be that kind of, but, but I just don't have a lot of time for God. Forget about it. It's New York. I don't have a very good New York accent, but that's about as good as I got. Because here's what happens. Let me break it down for you in real simple terms. Here's what happens. We all know that we live in a fast-paced, big-box store, remote-controlled, microwave, texting culture. And when we talk about spending time with God, what that translates so often is two minutes in a little book called Daily Bread. Nothing wrong with that if that's your gig. But that's not enough. That's like me saying, man, I, I tell you what, I'm eating three raisins a day. I can't, I'm still hungry. Like, yeah, that, that, that would make sense. This is not about opening your Bible. If you're on a Bible reading program, I like them. I use them, opening them up, reading your Bible, and then watch. Here, we just shut it and say, hey, I'm on with my day. It's more than that. It's more than that. You see, American Christians are so information overloaded that it's so easy to, to read about God and not be with God. It's so easy to read about umbilical cords and not be connected to one. It's so tempting. I'm so information driven. I promise you. It's uh, to be, to, to, to like, oh, there's something more cool in the Bible. That's cool. And keep doing that if you're doing it. I'm not saying, but it's not a substitute for watch. Here's the maneuver. Right hand, left hand. Here we go. Watch it. It's fast. Here you go. Ready? Here we go. Now I'm going to pray. I'll do it again. Some of you seem confused. I've done my Bible reading. I'm going to shut it now. Now I'm going to spend some time with God. Jesus, what we were told in Luke chapter 5 and other places, that He went out frequently and spent time, not reading, but spent time in the umbilical cord. He got it. And then when we do, we start to pick up the fragrance of God. What are you talking about? Watch. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us, morons, snappers, spreads everywhere. I love it. The fragrance of the knowledge of Him. There's only one way to get fragrance and that's hang out with somebody for a while. For we are to God. Don't ever question that you are unimportant to God. You are to God the aroma of Christ. You are to God the aroma of Christ. You're not just a son, a daughter, a father, a mother, an American, a European, whoever. You are a son and daughter of Christ, the aroma of Christ to the world. He's waiting for us to spend enough time to get a little sniff on us of God. So that other people can see it. It doesn't happen in two minutes. It doesn't. We're, experience, we're ex, hoping to get the snapper version, the 85-pound snapper version of spiritual mattering in this world with two minutes in the water. doesn't happen. 
We are to God the aroma of Christ for those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And watch, 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 watch. Who is equal to such a task? Nobody. Nobody is equal to this task. That's why you must be umbilically tied into God. That's why you've got to spend time with God. This past Friday night, we, uh, my wife and I had just a wonderful date. It was, uh, there was a parents' night out uh, here at 360. Thank you for ever who did that, uh, the, the leaders who did that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> good for that. Before our kids were, were born, uh, more than 11 years ago, my wife and I would go over to St. Armand's Key, and in this little remote place, which I won't tell you, there's a, there's a bench, and we were walking. It was a beautiful night, Friday night. We were walking, and uh, our lives are busy and rushed like so many of yours, but we just had, we had dinner, and then we just sat there for the longest time, and this little bench, we found the bench. It had been a while. And we just sat and talked and hugged and kissed and I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you know when you're with a good friend, you don't always have to talk. It's sometimes the mark of a good friend. When you're with someone you don't know, you're kind of uncomfortable, you feel like you got to be, you know, if you w drove 10 miles in a car and didn't say anything, you'd be kind of awkward. But when you're with someone you love and know and so close, you, and we just sat. And afterwards, I just felt like, oh, I could tell you all about it. And I'm telling you about it now. That the fragrance of our time together was so rich and quiet and intimate and good and close and sweet and all these things. You know why? Because it wasn't two minutes. It was lengthy enough. And it's like I had the fragrance of my wife just coming off of me. The fragrance. You see, you remove the source and the fragrance stops. So at the beginning of this week, I walked in my house and I like, something smells funny. I mean like funny slash bad funny. You know, like not ha-ha funny, but like something's wrong funny, right? Like something smells funny. Now my wife and my oldest boy, they, they could tell you what the person six houses away are cooking for dinner. They're, they got rabbit noses. They can smell it. But they've been in the house all day long. And I walked in from having meetings. I walked in and I'm like, wow, something smells wrong. Something smells funny. And like, huh? Well, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I don't smell. I'm like, yeah, you go outside. Go, yeah, it's funny. And they couldn't smell. It was really puzzling. I'm like, it's, 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 it's something, something's off. And the next day, I'm like, don't you smell that? <laughs> I mean, it was starting to get like awful, you know. I'm like, that is really weird because I'm coming in and out of the house. I'm like, that's really bad. And third day, I come in. I'm like, okay, something has died in our house. I, honestly, I was going to call the pest control. You know when a rat dies in your house? Uh, maybe some of you don't know that. But, uh, you know, they, it's just like that awful, like, oh, I can't take it anymore, right? Fourth day, 
I'm like coming in. I'm like, ah, this is unbearable. Found the problem. See, on the first day of the week, we went to the grocery store. We came back and we assigned one of our sons the task of carrying to the kitchen the bag of raw chicken. You see where I'm going? Nope, didn't make it to the kitchen, but it did make it under the bed in the bedroom. As every parent in this room is asking now, why, why, why would you do that? So many times as a parent, why? What were you thinking when you, you know, fill in the blank, anything, you know? When you painted the inside of the shower, what were you thinking? Did not, was it good enough for you? There's chicken in the bedroom for four days. He came out carrying the bag. This might be it. Might! I would go so far as to assume probably. It's probably, you know, dead chicken in a room, raw. So we took it, we wrapped it, we wrapped it again, we wrapped it for a third time, we put it out in the garage, and guess what? We removed the source, we removed the fragrance. You remove the source, you remove the fragrance. It's just that simple. Why is it that there are times when you're around a person who God has breathed in to bring new life, and it's just Debbie Downer. It's this. We often slap people on the wrist for the, for the symptoms. Quit talking so negatively. No, that's not a good directive. Because if you're earthbound, Adam, you're just going to keep doing it. Instead of saying, quit doing it, you say, start doing it, fellow snapper. You can grow. And the more you get of this, the more your words will give life. It matters. Watch. We're told in the book of Proverbs 18, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The tongue has the power of life and death. Jesus said this in John 6, the Spirit gives life. That's what we've been talking about. The earth, the dirt, the flesh, it counts for nothing. You want to matter in this lifetime? It counts for nothing. The words Christ said, I've spoken to you, are spirit and they are life. Are the words that you're giving and saying, are they spiritually life-giving? Now, the easy thing here is, you know, negative talk. Who wants to be around that? I don't. It's not life-giving. It's life-drawing, right? It draws out life. So let's get over the obvious. But it's not just talking about good things either, about how to be a better person or how to organize your time. All that's good too. But this is something different. You see, a person who's not even a Christian connected to the Spirit of God can speak those things. It's not about being a life coach here. It's about being connected in such a way that you can speak some of the deeper things of, of, of God. Now watch. Even Jesus, even Jesus understood his umbilical dependent design. Watch. I marvel at this verse. John chapter 12, verse 49. Jesus said, I didn't even speak on my own accord. I didn't speak on my own cord. I spoke on a different cord, an umbilical cord, by the way. Mm. But the Father who sent me commanded me 
what to say. And listen, for those of you that tend to land the plane without wills in a conversation, what to say and how to say it. There is a way to say things, even hard things. And people say to me, gosh, Steve, you can speak hard things and, and you do it in a, in a great way, you know, in a nice way, in a kind way. You know how? It's no credit to me because the flesh counts for nothing. It's all Christ. What's the secret? Be umbilically dependent on the Spirit of God. When I'm in a, in a, in a meeting, I'm praying constantly, internally praying. God, give me a word. If I'm in a tough meeting, God, give me a word. What am I saying? Help me listen. Let me lean in. I'm, I'm building, just like a baby, an umbilical cord. Keep it going. You want to matter? Speak things that really matter. Jesus is saying, I don't even speak on my own accord, but the Father has commanded me to, to, to what to say and how to say it. I know that His commands leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father told me to say. How do you do that? Watch what happens. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You're not going to ever speak any thoughts unless you go to the Spirit of God uh, 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 about spiritual things. We've not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not, not self-help words, not life coach words, not Debbie Downer words, words that are taught by human wisdom, but words that are taught by the Spirit expressing spiritual truths. Peter understood this, by the way. Jesus was dismissing people. Like, hey, if you want to go, I'm speaking things you don't want to hear about, you can take off. And he said, Peter, you want to go too? And Peter said in John chapter 6 and verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. And if we could capture that, if I, you want to matter, if I want to matter and be that big snapper and grow and be effective and speak life, then I must be connected. Finally, John reminds us through the words of Jesus something that we, we certainly know. Jesus said these words in John 15. Look, guys, I'm the vine, you're the branches. It's just that simple. This is how you're designed. You break a branch off from the from the vine, you're going to die. You, you can't thrive. You'll never grow anything. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, forget about it. Jesus was a New Yorker. I don't know if you knew that. Apart from me, forget about it. I don't care how smart you are, how funny you are, how ingenious you are, how logical you are. Well, it doesn't matter. Forget about it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I'm reading about all this, and here's the thing you want to, you can't mess with. When we're working in God's design, there's a jazz. See, when you're out of this, and you're more in this, when you're more soil and less spirit, when it's more your logic and your thinking and your thoughts and your ideas and, le and less of, oh God, you send me the words. You give me the words. You adjust my attitude. You recalibrate my perspective. God, only you, only you. And I'm, 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 I'm willing to spend time with Him in those moments. And you start to like, whoa, 
this is starting. Oh, and I'm actually saying something. I had a great date with God. I spent some time. Can you smell him on me? Not right now, but later. Can you smell God on me? You start thinking, hey, you know what? I'm a snapper. <laughs> or you may say something else, but you get it? There's a joy. So watch. Final thing I want to show you. Right after Jesus says, if, you're not, if you don't remain in me, you're, you just forget about it. You can't do anything. He says this. I've told you this. Here's why. The whole room should lean in and say, why? Why are you telling me this? Because that's what I ought to do? No. I hope Jesus will forgive me for substituting a word. I've told you this so that my jazz may be in you. And that your jazz, there it is again, may be complete. You're thinking, Steve, I don't know if I could ever be that big snapper. I don't know if I could ever grow to that big spiritual. I can't, I can't ever do the snapper thing. Yes, you can. Look. <laughs> you can be a snapper catcher. And your biceps can grow too by the magic of Photoshop. All right, take it off. <laughs> You're saying like, I can't do that. God said, you can. And you're designed to. And I've breathed on you so that you'll be sent. But you've got to, got to, got to remain like this. Umbilically dependent. And then you can grow. Because he's your only source. For that to happen. Father, thank you for the reminder today. I'm guessing none of us have counted our breaths this week or even this day or this hour. It seems so natural that we take it for granted. And so it is in the spiritual world, God. You've given us intelligence. You've given us opinions. You've given us choices. You've given us logic. And all those things, although they're beautiful, they are human. They're, they're earthy. They're soil. And because they're such a part of our lives, God, we can depend on them if we're smart, we're talented, those things, we can depend on them and inadvertently cut the umbilical cord of the only source that will grow us to spiritually matter in this lifetime. We fall for the trap of thinking we matter because we can speak intelligent words. Or we voice opinions, even if they're negative, but they're not life-giving. God, we need, we need those who are willing to, to flow different from this fast-paced culture, enough to slow down, to come to the, to the cord of life, the Holy Spirit, the source of our spiritual life. To slow down to spend time enough with you 
so that when they speak, those words, that communication is far from earthbound. But there has a depth. There has a spiritual flavor of fragrance. Father, I pray for those who are believers of Christ, who are in Christ today, new creations, whom you have breathed upon to give them new life, but not just to give them new life and have the old pass away, but so that you can speak as if God is making his appeal through us. Stunning, God. Stunning. I pray that you'll remind us as believers how critically important, vital it is for us to spend time as Jesus did. To be umbilically tied so closely to you. Forgive us, in fact, God, when we've run on our own fuel and not yours. You did not put us on this planet to just survive, but to thrive and to grow and to be useful and to be fragrant. We as a church, for those of us who are believers, pray right now together. For those who are sitting in the room today, who do not know you, who are not in Christ yet, but came looking today, thank God, that came exploring, searching, knowing that there is an unease of something they can't even describe within them, that separation that, from you that they may not even know how to articulate, but knowing that there is something more than their natural life is giving. And we pray, Father, that you would clarify in their minds the very simple gift of Christ that all our past is poured on Him. That you are willing and wanting to breathe into them the second birth so that there'll be a new creation. I pray, we pray together, Father, that you'll give them the courage and the choice and the will, Father, to reach out and accept your gift that is so lovingly given today. Father, thank you for Christ. Thank you for the source of our life. Thank you for the power and the reality of the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, as we end this time together, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to have your way as those who are willing will yield to it. Teach us to slow down and to grow up. I ask it, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.